Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. Happy Wednesday, family, World Overcomers. Super excited about tonight. Uh, my name is Pastor Manny Arango. If you don't know me, now you know. I was a youth pastor here for a really long time. Uh, then I was a traveling evangelist based out of this house. And uh, now I get to teach and preach and do all types of stuff. Uh, this is my dad's church. Pastor Andy's a not just a spiritual dad in my life. At this point, it feels like he's my biological father. So, uh, uh, I just, I just, I just uh, got gypped on the hike. But anyway, uh, I'm really excited to preach tonight. This is week four of a sermon series that we've been in, entitled "Brainwashed." Uh, hey, I want you uh, to grab a Bible. We're gonna jump into some scriptures. Uh, I, I, this is week four. Before we even get the Bible cracked open, if you've had perfect attendance, can you let me know in the chat? Come on, if you've had perfect attendance, if you've been here for four weeks in a row, let me know that you've had perfect attendance. Come on, uh, just say perfect attendance, perfect attendance. Four for four, say four for four, say four for four. Boom, I see you, a couple of you got four for four, four for four. Come on, if you've been here for four weeks, let me know. Um, if you got perfect attendance, then that means you've been with us from week one, two, and three, and now we're gonna finish this out. I've been saying for the past three weeks, oh yeah, we're gonna get to Jairus at the end because we started reading about the one with the issue of blood on week one, and we'll wrap all that up today, okay? Uh, five mindsets that you need to adopt. I've only gotten through one. I've only gotten through one. So let's jump right in. Uh, I actually want to give you a quote before we start. Uh, I'm going to give you two quotes. Uh, both of these quotes are in my book. The first quote is, is from a man named Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard. He said this. When Satan undertook to draw Eve away from God, he did not hit her with a stick, but with an idea. It was with an idea that God could not be trusted and that she must act on her own to secure her own well-being. That's a quote by a legendary uh, man of God. Uh, his name is Dallas Willard. And uh, I'll, I'll read one more quote to you uh, by A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer says this. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The most portentous fact about any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. Were we able to extract from any man a complete answer to the question, what comes into your mind when you think about God, we might predict with certainty the spiritual future of that man. That's A.W. Tozer from a book entitled Knowledge of the Holy. Uh, those two quotes, they actually really do frame really well what we've been talking about for three whole weeks. Um, that it's my thoughts about God 
it's my ideas, it's something that happens in my mind that has the biggest impact on everything else that happens in my life. And it is my thoughts about God that dictate my thoughts about myself. And man, the way that I think about myself dictates everything else. It dictates how I think about all types of other things. So uh, I've got to get my thoughts about God straight, and then I've got to get my thoughts about myself straight, and I definitely got to get the way I think about others straight because all thoughts fall into those three categories. Um, number So five mindsets that everybody needs to adopt. The first mindset is a mindset of trust. We talked a whole lot about a mindset of trust. Number two, second mindset that we all need to adopt is a faith mindset, a faith mindset. So that's saying, God, not only do I trust you, but I will believe, like believe, I'll take risk. Not only do I trust you, but there's gonna be some action based on uh, what you're saying to me because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when I'm struggling with infertility, and then the word of the Lord says that uh, to, the word of the Lord says uh, to be fruitful and multiply. Man, now there's tension between what's going on in my life and what the word says. When my life looks anxious, but the word says be anxious for nothing, now there's tension, and that tension is an opportunity for faith. Tension is the place where faith begins to make up the difference between where my life is and what the word, the standard of the word of God is calling me. So, because if all I have is my life, I may be content without having children. I may be content with being broke. I may be content with being broke until the Bible tells me that a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children's children. I gotta have a lot of money in order to leave an inheritance from my sons, sons, sons. I, I, I can't be broke. I may be content being broke, but then what happens? The word of the Lord begins to tell me that I'm living beneath my means. And a faith mindset says, if God said it, I believe it. A faith mindset says, you know what? I can't be content with living at a, at a, at a standard that's beneath what God has said. The same thing works with being content in sin. It's a faith mindset that tells me, you know what? I'm content living with my boyfriend, but the Bible says to be holy, and, and now I have faith to believe that I can have some self-control. I have faith to believe that if I move out or he moves out, I can pay these bills on my own. That takes faith. So I've got to have a faith mindset in order to even obey. Not only do I have to trust God, Trusting him is one thing. I can say all day long, I trust that chair. I trust that chair. It's a whole other thing to sit in the chair and put my weight in it. Faith is when the rubber meets the road. So here's what a faith mindset says. A faith mindset understands that the invisible moves the visible. That the invisible moves the visible. That everything that is visible is there because the invisible Put it there, okay? There's nothing that is in existence that the invisible realm did not, um, did not, uh, something happened in the invisible realm to push things around in the visible realm, okay? I see chairs in this room because in the invisible realm, 
there was a man by the name of Andy Thompson that spoke uh, into attendance at World Overcomers Christian Church. And, and at the beginning of this church, they would put out, you know, they'd put out 50 chairs and 50 people would come. And they'd put out 75 chairs and 75 people and 100 chairs and 100 people. And so there's a church because there was faith. The invisible faith preexisted the visible church. Everything I see is a direct result of something invisible that has happened. A faith mindset tells me, don't get distracted by the visible. Don't even get focused on what's visible. Always stay focused on, on, on what's invisible because the invisible moves the visible. Okay. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17. Elisha prayed, open his eyes, O Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around. The dominant question somebody with faith is always asking is, am I looking at what other people can't see? This is the reason that when me and my wife were struggling with infertility, I would go to Target and buy diaper genies. I'd buy, uh, I'd bought a crib. I'd buy stuff for the baby because I, I saw my son in the spirit before I ever saw him physically. So you got to start asking yourself the question, what do I see? What do I see? The reason we moved out of an apartment and we bought a home is because the Holy Spirit challenged me and said, why would you believe me for something that you haven't even prepared for? Faith does stupid stuff. You need to have a faith mindset, a faith mindset. The question is not whether or not God's going to do it. The question is, do you even have the faith for it? A faith mindset. Number three, an abundance mindset. An abundance mindset. Let me give you the verses for this. Psalm chapter 24, verse 1 says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. God says, hey, I know you're confused. Uh, you, you are tempted to adopt a scarcity mindset. I always want you to have an abundance mindset. And an abundance mindset understands that the earth is the Lord's and everything, not some things, everything. Everything belongs to the Lord, which means when I go uh, to the Ford dealership, all them trucks belong to God. Uh, when I go look at houses with my real estate agent, all these houses belong to God. When I'm inviting people to church, every single human belongs to God. Uh, everything belongs to God. I don't have a scarcity mindset. I have an abundance mindset, which is why I can be generous. God's not asking me for money that he don't already have. Of course, I, I can give him my whole paycheck. Why? I have an abundance mindset. There's more where this came from. I'm always thinking there's more where this came from. There's more where this came from. I can give away my last. Why? Because there's more where this came from. I live in an abundance mindset, which also means I'm not competing with anybody. Let me, let me, uh, let me illustrate a scarcity mindset for you. I want to illustrate a scarcity mindset. I'll give you two, two, two illustrations that will help us to understand a scarcity mindset so that we can then understand what an abundance mindset looks like. A scarcity mindset is you ever been at these cookouts or birthday parties or you ever been at somebody's party, maybe in their backyard or somebody's throwing, a, throwing an event? Uh, this happens a lot. I've, done, I've, I've had this happen to me at graduations, okay? I go to a graduation and, and whoever's serving the food, they're not letting people serve themselves because the people serving the food know 
that there's not an unlimited supply of food, but a limited supply of food. So they are, give, they are rationing out the food so that everybody can eat because there's a limited supply, not a unlimited supply. God says, I don't have to ration stuff out because God does not operate with a limited supply. God says, there's an unlimited supply of joy. There's an unlimited supply of peace. There's an unlimited supply of jobs. There's an unlimited supply of provision. There's an unlimited supply of money. There's an unlimited supply of goods. So I am not the person at the graduation doling out food, rationing out food, based on a limited supply, which is based in a scarcity mindset. No, God gives more than enough, an abundance, more than you can handle. God wants to bless you because God can bless you, your cousin, your neighbor, your mama, your auntie, and everybody you know, and you'll still never run out of blessing because the earth is the Lord's and what? Everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything. Everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. And when you have everything, you don't ration things out like a stingy person. You lavish. You lavish love on people. You lavish blessing on people. You lavish like, like the prodigal son came home and his father lavished love on him. Gave him a ring. Gave him sandals. Gave him a robe. Killed a fattened calf. Lavished his love on him. Just wasteful. Just an abundance. If you have a scarcity mindset, it means you think that there's less supply than there is demand. Okay, let me illustrate a scarcity mindset another way. Scarcity mindset can be illustrated with playing musical chairs. Musical chairs, right? Five chairs, six people. So what happens when the music stops, everybody's got to sit down or everybody's got a hip check. Everybody's got to fight in order to get a seat because there's a limited supply. There's less chairs than people. So many people live in their life as if they're playing musical chairs. So you, you jealous of other people when they get a promotion? You jealous of other people when they get a husband? You jealous of other people when they get a wife? You jealous of people when they have kids? Man, scarcity mindset almost kept me and my wife from showing up to baby showers, uh, showing up to baby showers while we were showing them infertility uh, 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 because, you know, every time somebody got pregnant, it reminded us of the fact that we weren't pregnant. And then we got it together. We started showing up to baby showers with diapers and gifts and lavishing uh, abundance on people because I believe that God has more than enough. There's not a God who can, who got, uh, he got 25 babies in heaven and there's only 24, there's only, there's 26 couples and he's got 25 babies and, and somebody's going to get left out. No, 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 no. God is not the God of the graduation uh, 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 server who's serving out a limited supply of food. God is not the God of musical chairs. He's the God of more than enough, more than enough. More than enough. More than enough. This is why Jacob and Esau, they're fighting over this blessing. And then by the end of the story, Jacob sends all these gifts to Esau. And Esau, because Jacob wants to reconcile with Esau. And Esau says, what are all these gifts? What's all this? What's all this? Um, what's all this kindness you've shown me? Um, what's all this bribery? You know, he's kind of confused. 
And Jacob's like, you know, I'm trying to win, win favor with you. You know, I want to reconcile. And Esau says, ah, oh, I don't have no need of all the stuff you sent me because I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You want to know? By the end of the story, Jacob's blessed and Esau's blessed. Because you don't got to play musical chairs. There's not one blessing in two, two, two people, and you got to play musical chairs to fight over the blessing. Oh, no, 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 no. With God, there is more than enough. You know that you're operating in a scarcity mindset when you think that other people are taking things that belong to you. This is funny. I've actually heard black people and white people say this. So I'm not attacking any racial group. I've just heard black people say this and white people say this. I'm, I'm going to tell you what I've heard both groups of people say. I've heard white folks say this. I've heard black people say this. I've heard this phrase right here, this phrase. They are taking our jobs. They are taking our jobs. The moment you say they are taking our jobs, number one, that's an entitled mindset, uh, which I can deal with because you're a citizen. Okay, cool. I can deal with the entitled mindset. I can deal with it because you're a citizen of America, but you still shouldn't have an entitled mindset as a believer, as a Christian. That's ridiculous because uh, you're not just an American. You're a Christian. If you're a Christian, then that means you have dual citizenship. You're a citizen of heaven, and you're a citizen of the United States of America. And I expect you to act like your citizenship in heaven dominates your citizenship on this planet uh, or in this country. So number one, there's an entitled mindset there. But second, there's a scarcity mindset. You believe that there's a limited supply of jobs. In the same way that there's a limited supply of food or a limited supply of chairs in the last two illustrations I gave you. You believe there's a limited supply of jobs. So you don't believe there's an unlimited supply. You don't believe that God owns a cattle on a, thousand, uh, uh, a cattle on a thousand hills. You don't believe that. You don't believe that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You don't believe that. You believe that they can take something that belongs to you. They're taking our jobs. I've heard black people say it. I've heard white people say it. You're talking about Hispanics, especially, specifically, in a lot of cases, talking about Mexicans. Can I tell you something? Well, a lot of times I've met Mexican-Americans operating with an abundant mindset because they don't believe it belongs to you. They believe it belongs to them because they're God, they, they're a Christian, and they're like, oh, no, not every Mexican is a Christian. I'm just saying I bumped into some Christians who are Mexican-Americans, and their mindset is the same mindset as my father. When my father came to this country, he's a Cuban immigrant, and my dad went, God is going to provide. God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I don't know English, but I'm going to make it work. I don't know nobody in that country, but I'm going to make it work. That's faith. See, while the immigrant is operating in faith, you sitting there talking about they taking my job. They taking our jobs. While you fussing and complaining. They busy getting to work, putting their faith in action. I'm here to tell you that at some point you're going to have to have an abundant mindset. Because an immigrant is thinking to themselves, yeah, of course an American may be able to do it better. They know the language. They're connected. They've got networking and they've been to college and whatever. My dad moved here with no education, no English, no language skills, no connections, no relationships, and still put some American people to shame because he had an abundant mindset. He believed God's got this. God's got it under control. My dad is somebody that had faith. May not have had a lot of morals, may have had a drug addiction, but baby, my father had faith. Faith to just believe that the impossible was possible. Faith to believe that God would have his back. Faith to believe that God could do the impossible in his life. Here we go. Number one is a trust mindset. Number two is a faith mindset. Number three is an abundance mindset. Number four, an identity mindset. Identity, identity. Here we go. Insecurity will always occupy the space when 
and when identity is, is void, when someone doesn't know their identity, it creates a vacuum. And insecurity will always fill the space in that vacuum. So insecurity is a lot like darkness. Insecurity is a lot like darkness. Insecurity Insecurity and darkness share this in common. Darkness is not a substance in and of itself. Darkness cannot be grabbed. Darkness cannot be manipulated. Darkness cannot be sent. Darkness has no material substance. Darkness is simply what exists when there's a lack of light. When there is no light, darkness fills the void where there's no light. Insecurity is the same way. Insecurity fills the void when there's no identity. So the whole uh, notion that I need to focus on my insecurities, I need to heal, get healed from my insecurities, no, you don't need to focus on your insecurities at all. You need to get identity. And how do we find identity? We receive identity from the one that's created us. This iPad gets its identity from Apple. That's where it gets its identity from, from Apple. This bottle of water gets its identity from the manufacturer. That's how the bottle of water, the bottle of water can't decide, I identify as ginger ale. That's ridiculous. This bottle of water can't decide, well, I identify as root beer. That can't happen. This bottle of water is a bottle of water, and that just is what it is. And the person who manufactured this chose to put water in here and, and did not put root beer in here. The water can't decide, well, today, I feel like Pepsi. I feel like Coca-Cola. No, doesn't matter what the bottle of water feels like, it's Coke. In the same way, you are a created thing. The human is a created thing. For the created thing to think that it can tell the creator what it is, is arrogance, arrogance, pride, hubris. You have no idea who you are. The only thing you can do is ask the manufacturer what its intention was when the manufacturer designed you. And I can tell you who your manufacturer is. In the same way that Apple designed and manufactured this iPad, in the same way that Essentia or whoever owns Essentia manufactured and bottled this bottle of water, you have a creator, you have a manufacturer. That creator is God. And you have three things that are innate to the human identity. You struggle with insecurity? Great, let's talk about identity. Let's talk about identity. You cannot discover your identity. You receive identity, which means because you trust, because you already have a trust mindset, these are, these are, you need the first one in order to have the second one. Because you already have a trust mindset, that means you have a faith mindset, because you can't have faith without trust. Okay, because you have a faith mindset, you have an abundance mindset. And if you got all those three down, then we're saying, God, you can give in abundance. You can provide identity to me in abundance, and I will have faith in what you say, and I'll trust in what you say, because I dealt with the first three already. So an identity mindset, three things that God says about every single person, every single person. You're better off knowing what God says about every single person before you go off trying to figure out what God specifically says about you. 
So let's talk about what God says about every single person. Number one, you are made in the image of God. You're made in the image of God. You're made in the image of God for the express purpose of reflecting the glory of God. You're made in the image of God. Made in his image. If you decide you don't want to reflect God's image, that you don't care about God, well then, that's like an iPad that wants to be a doorstopper. It's not a doorstopper. It can. I can stick this in, at the bottom of a door, and it may be able to do it. That doesn't mean that's what it was designed to do. What something can do versus what it was designed to do are very, very different. Science has told us that as long as something can exist, that it should. That's absolutely ridiculous. Just because it can happen doesn't mean it should happen. We have to ask the question, what were you designed to do? And I would contend that if you were designed as a man, there are certain things that are true about you. If you were designed as a woman, there are certain things that are true about you. A pickup truck is designed a certain way. It's designed that way based on the purpose given it. The purpose is to tow things. The purpose is to put heavy stuff in the, in the, in the cab of the truck. That's its purpose. Therefore, the purpose of the thing is taken into consideration when designing it. A sports car is designed to win races. That's what it's designed to do. So because of its purpose, it's designed a certain way. It, it's not designed like a pickup truck because it's designed a certain way. I can't breastfeed. I don't do that. That's not what I'm designed to do. That's not my purpose. That's not my purpose. Therefore, God didn't design me with, with glands to be able to do that. Okay? God didn't make a mistake. My gender's not a mistake. My ethnicity's not a mistake. There's nothing about me that's a mistake. I've been designed by God. I've been designed by God to reflect his image. And I've been designed by God to reflect his image as a man, not as a woman. As a man, not as a woman. Innate within every man. You start talking to the average dude about, uh, you start saying stuff like, you ugly. Yeah, we, you know, dudes don't even make fun of each other like that. Uh, like calling each other ugly. Why? Because dudes don't care. Dudes do not care if they are ugly. They really don't care. Because you can be the ugliest dude on the planet. As long as you got a hot woman that you bagged, you feel good about yourself. So, so. But the moment you call a man weak, ooh, that stings. That hurts a man in his soul because men are designed to be strong more than they're designed to be beautiful. Men were not designed to be overly cosmetic. That's not how we're designed. We're designed not to reflect the beauty of God. We're designed to reflect the strength of God and the power of God. That's why you call a man weak. He gets all, he'll get irritated at you. He'll get aggravated at you. However, you call a woman ugly, you have hurt her feelings. It don't matter what woman you're talking about. You call a dude ugly all you want, the average dude is kind of like, I really don't care. Don't really care. I don't, I don't care. The only reason why I even care about my appearance is because there's women around. I don't really care. But you call a woman ugly, you say to a woman, you're ugly. That hurts. It hurts me saying it. Don't even sound right to call a woman ugly. Why? Because women have been designed 
to reflect the beauty of God, not the strength of God. And until you appreciate your unique design, your gendered design, there are certain things that black people reflect the glory of God in, that white people don't reflect the glory of God in. It just is what it is. There's a certain way that Asian people reflect the unique glory of God based on their design that is not the same as black people, and that's okay. We get to celebrate our differences. We don't have to divide, we don't have to compete, why? Because we're secure in who we are. There's things I love about black people. It just is what it is. I don't have to not like this about black people or act like all people do this. No, there's some things that black people do and it's better than everybody else and that is totally okay. We reflect, we reflect the image of God in a certain way. There's nothing about you that's a mistake. God knit you together in your mother's womb, chose your pronouns before you could ever say the word pronoun. God picked your pronouns. He picked your ethnicity. He picked your mama and your father. He's an intentional God, and he knit you together in your mother's womb, and there's nothing you can actually do to go against the design of God that's going to prevail. Nothing you can do. you better off saying, God, reveal to me how you've designed me to uniquely reflect your glory on the earth. I've been made in your image, and I want to reflect your glory with everything that I have to give. Let me do that. I want to start doing that. Tell me my unique genius. God, reveal to me what you love about me. God, I, I need to know. Number, so number one, you're made in the image of God. I, I want to continue on this tangent just a little bit, because men and women are different. We're different. It's, it's awesome that we're different. I was actually in counseling. Uh, I was in a therapy session, and my therapist began to explain the soul of a woman and the soul of a man. He said, in, in the core of a man, a man is asking this question by the age of five, six, seven years old. The, the, the man, the young man is asking this question. Am I worthy and how will I prove it? That's the answer. That's the question in the soul of a young boy, five, six years old. Am I worthy and how will I prove it? So the, the, the young man at five, six years old, without society telling him anything, innately, based on his design, is thinking, how am I worthy and how am I going to prove it? How am I going to get people to appreciate who I am as a human? That's not the question happening in the soul of a young girl. In the soul of a young girl, four, five, six years old, is this question. Am I lovable and who will love me? Am I lovable and who will love me? This is the genius of Paul. In Ephesians, Paul does not command women to love their husbands and does not command husbands to respect their wives. That's not what he does. He tells each gender to give the other gender what they actually need. The soul of a young man is asking, am I worthy and how will I prove it? Which means the young man needs respect. Respect. If you're a wife or you're dating a man, the most valuable thing you can give that man is respect. But that's not what you need. <laughs> you need love. You want love. And most women, they're giving men love, thinking that the man needs love. You think the man is you. The man is not you. You're a woman. You need love. The man is a man. The man needs respect. So the Bible helps us even in our difference. The Bible says men and women are different. Hey, wives, submit to your husband. Do what the man tells you to do. Honor your husband. Respect your husband. The, what Paul says is this, hey, Sarah called Abraham Lord, Lord, Lord. Some of y'all, you're so saved, you only call Jesus Lord. But I'm telling you, if you're a married woman, your husband is your Lord. That's your Lord. 
Some of y'all, it makes you uncomfortable. If that makes you uncomfortable, that's, I'm, that, that's, 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 I'm sorry. Your husband is the Lord of your life. Yes, he is. Especially if he's a Christian. Woo! Not uppercase L, just lowercase L. He's a Lord in your life. Man, guess what? You can respect women all you want, and we should be respecting women. But if you do not love her, and by love, that means all the love languages. Time, words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, uh, physical touch. You got to love a woman. Women need love because in their soul, at the age of five, six, seven years old, what they're asking is this question. Am I lovable? And who will love me? If they didn't have a dad to love them, now they're expecting their boyfriend to love them. And if their boyfriend didn't love them, they're expecting their husband to love them. And if their husband doesn't love them, this is especially true for black people. If you're black, I need you to pay attention. If your dad didn't love you, and your boyfriend didn't love you, and your baby daddy didn't love you, and then you ended up getting married, you got married, and your husband doesn't really love you, then you'll put pressure on your son to love you the way that your dad should have loved you, and your boyfriend should have loved you, and your baby daddy should have loved you, and your husband should have loved you, and now you'll keep that boy stuck because one day they're going to meet a woman, and their woman, their wife is going to need love from them, but they've got a surrogate spouse syndrome developed with you because you put pressure on them that should never be on them, and mamas need to hate. You got to get this under control, black mamas, if you have relationships with your sons that are dysfunctional. You got to fix it because the reason it's dysfunctional is there's all this collateral pressure that's been placed on this boy because his father failed and his, your husband failed and boyfriends failed and your daddy failed and the cycle keeps going and going and going. At some point, you got to say, you're my son. You're not my spouse. You're not my husband. We're not in a covenant relationship together. You better put your wife before me. Too many mamas thinking they deserve to be in first place with their sons. No, you don't. No, you don't. The Bible says that a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Too many black men with dysfunctional relationships with their mamas. Because our dads haven't been there. And our dads have been incarcerated. And our dads have been absent. So you didn't have a relationship with your dad, and so your mama put all this pressure on you to be everything. You started paying bills at 15. That's called surrogate spouse syndrome. You've been your mom's emotional support since you were 12. That's dysfunctional. I'm glad you got through it. I'm glad you survived. But now, guess what? It's time to heal. It's not your fault that you got into this situation, but it's your responsibility to get out of it. You know enough to get out, and the both of you, the mama in the scenario and the son in the scenario both got to say, we're not going to have a codependent, dysfunctional relationship with one another. Last mindset we need to change is an interdependence mindset. Interdependence. Once I have a trust mindset, once I've got a faith mindset, once I have an abundance mindset, once I have an identity mindset, Oh, yeah, I didn't give you the three parts of identity. Uh-oh, let me go back. Three parts of identity. Number one, I'm made in the image of God. Number two, I'm a child of God. I'm a son, I'm a daughter of God, which means God is the one that answers the question, am I worthy and how will I prove it? And God is the one that answers the question, am I lovable and who will love me? If you don't accept God's love, nobody else's love is going to be enough for you. 
if you don't accept that God has approved of you and has found you worthy, nobody will be able to give you enough validation. You'll make so much money, you'll buy multiple homes, and it'll never be enough. There's an insatiable desire within the man to succeed and achieve. There's an insatiable desire within the woman to love and, and, find, and find acceptance uh, in, her, in her family. And I'm telling you, it'll be dysfunctional if you don't put God first. So God has to be the first solution. Your husband and your wife becomes the next solution. But they can only even thrive if you get your source of your identity from God. So number one, you're made in the image of God, distinctly. Number two, you're made in the image of God to glorify him distinctly, to reflect his glory in your life distinctly. Number two, you're a child of God. Number three, you're the righteousness of God. You're the righteousness of God. I don't even have time to get into that. If you want to know what that means, you got to buy my book. Order Brainwash right now. Get it on Amazon, Target.com, BarnesandNoble.com, Walmart.com. Get it. Get the book. Christian book. Distributors has it. Every major distributor, book distributor has my book. Order Brainwashed right now. Just order Brainwashed right now because I don't have time to get into the rest of it. Last mindset is an interdependence mindset. Interdependence is now I'm, a, I'm able to relate to others. On both extremes of interdependence is codependence, which means I know how you need me and I know how you and I need you and we're going to have a transactional relationship and be a crutch for each other. That's codependence. On the opposite extreme is independence. Typically, people who have seen a codependent relationship let the pendulum swing all the way to independence. And now they say things like, I don't need no man. I don't need no woman. They don't need people. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Yes, you do. God has designed you to have interdependent relationships, which means it's not codependent and it's not independent. You're not designed to be independent. If Adam was designed to be independent, he, he would have never needed Eve. But God looks at him all by himself and says, this is not good. So you're designed for relationship. The problem is that we've seen people that are designed for relationship get abused by relationship, whether that's peer pressure, whether that's a codependent family structure. And th th so then you throw the baby out with the bathwater and you say, since I only have seen codependence, let me go over here to independence. And independence will leave you isolated and alone and lonely and idolizing people and jealous of people. This is a terrible way to live your life. You need an interdependent relationship. That's a relationship that's got healthy boundaries. That's a mindset, a mindset that's not transactional, not, uh, not independent, but covenantal. That says, hey, I'm going to be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'm going to be a true friend to you. And you begin to learn what true friendship means. You get to begin to learn what true relationship means. You get to walk in church because God doesn't make relationships with individuals. He makes a relationship with the church, and you choose to be a part of the church. That's an interdependent mindset. You'll only be good at being a part of church if you understand interdependence. Tonight was great. Tonight was great. Oh, I felt it. This may have been my favorite week of all four. All right. I want you to give. I want you to give. I want you to give if this has blessed you. I want you to give. I want you to sow. Uh, I'm not going to beg, plead, none of that. I'm just going to invite you. Give and sow into the work of the ministry that is World Overcomers Christian Church. God, I thank you for every single person watching live or watching later. God, I ask that your hand would be on them for good. 
God, I ask that right now by the power of the Holy Ghost that you would make the Word of God come alive in them. God, we want to see the Word become flesh. God, we don't just want the Word of God to live in the, on the pages of the Bible. God, no, we want it to become flesh and bones and dwell in us and begin to change the way that we live our life. God, we thank you right now uh, for a trust mindset. We thank you for a faith mindset. We thank you for an abundance mindset. We thank you for an identity mindset. And God, we thank you for an interdependent mindset. God, we thank you for a new mind. That God, when we come to Christ, you give us a new mind. God, we want to do away with our old thoughts, away with our old mind. And God, we ask that you would bless every gift. God, bless every giver. God, we ask that you would bless your people. God, keep them in perfect peace until we meet again. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, and we all said or typed in the chat, amen, 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 amen. Hey, World Overcomers, if this is your church, if you go to World Overcomers, or if you live in the Raleigh-Durham area, hey, we'd love to see you here on Sunday, live, in person. Uh, if you live somewhere else, keep watching, keep streaming, uh, watch us on Sunday, definitely watch us on Wednesday. This has been the end of the Brainwashed Sermon Series. I'm glad I got to spend September with you. Follow me on all social media platforms. I'd love to keep in touch with you. Till next time, family. Love you. Peace. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.